The following is a message of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. I need to begin with a thank you to you as a church. Uh, as you remember, last Sunday at the end of the worship service, uh, without seeking permission from anyone, I uh, spontaneously uh, took up an offering as you went out the door for um, Texas Baptist men and relief for uh, Maui, and you on the way out the door gave almost $3,000, so thank you. Uh, Kathleen and I have just been so impressed with the sweet spirit of this church and the generous spirit of this church, and last Sunday was no uh, nothing but an example of that. So thank you very much. TBM volunteers aren't allowed into the disaster area just yet, but hopefully soon uh, there's still some uh, rescue and recovery work uh, that's happening there. But as soon as volunteers are allowed to go, rest assured, uh, Texas Baptist uh, will be there uh, doing what we can. So just know that and thank you very much. Uh, Let me take you back in history just a little bit to um, the mid-1800s. The Queen of uh, England at the time was Queen Victoria, and her husband, the prince, was Prince Albert. And Prince Albert had um, seen an event in Paris in 1844 that sparked some interest in him and gave him an idea, you might even call it a dream. And his idea was to bring to England, particularly to London, from all over the world, the latest and the greatest and the finest and put it all under one roof for something he would call the Great Exhibition. So, in order for this Great Exhibition to happen, they needed a building, and so a building was built. It was a 990,000-square-foot iron-and-glass building they called the Crystal Palace. And sure enough, on May the 1st of 1851, the great exposition opened inside the Crystal Palace with somewhere between 14 and 15,000 exhibits on display of the latest and the greatest and the finest from all over the world. And it ran through October 15th of that year. Well, when the great exposition, exposition was over, they didn't know what to do with the building, and so they moved it from the Hyde Park part of London, where it was built, to a place in, in, in the southern part of London. And there it stood for many years, several decades, until it burned. And then they tore it down. The Crystal Palace, torn down. But you can still see it today. 
right here in Dallas, Texas. If you drive south on I-35E that the locals call Stimmons Expressway and you drive past that big square brown World Trade Center, just across the street is a glass and white iron building and it is an exact replica of the Crystal Palace right here in Dallas. And so right in there is, I think, where we as believers face our greatest temptation and where we meet our biggest challenge. See, that building was built here to look like the one there. And our biggest temptation, our greatest challenge is, well, the biggest temptation is for us who are believers in and followers of Jesus to look like those who don't. Our greatest challenge is to refrain from becoming like those who don't believe in and follow after the Jesus we know. Us looking like that. Well, I don't know if it's good news or not, but it's always been a challenge. And I'm here to confess to you that the struggle is real. It's very real. And God's people have always wrestled with it. Let me show you what I mean. If you have your Bible, turn to the Old Testament Psalms. Psalm 106. I'm going to read a couple of verses and and highlight one verse in particular. But Psalm 106, verse 34, verse 35. Get your Bible. Follow along with me. Psalm 106. Let's start at verse 34. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them, but mingled with the nations and adopted their ways. They began to look like that. It's one thing to mingle. Now, when God's people were instructed in the promised land, their instructions were to uh, conquer these people and drive them out. Well, they didn't do that. Instead, they just conquered them, and many remained, and so they mingled with them. And so I guess that's one thing. So it's one thing to mingle. It's one thing to interact. It's one thing to engage. Hopefully, it's one thing over which to have influence. That's one thing. But it is an entirely different thing to adopt their ways. And the psalmist says they went from mingling to interacting to engaging and to influencing to adopting the ways of the nations around them. And brothers and sisters, that is a temptation for us in 2023. Now, God's people have always struggled with this. But today, I think the challenge is even greater. The tug of the world is strong. The the, the pull of the world, the culture, the society, for those of us who believe in and follow after Jesus, the tug of the world, it is real and it is strong. But what's happened in the last several years is not just the pull of the world, but we now have believers in, brothers and sisters in, 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 in Christ, who are pushing us in that same direction, pushing us to sacrifice our biblical convictions to compromise who we are and what we are. 
And it's happening all around us. The pull of the world is strong and is real. And then there's a push nowadays of others. God's people have always struggled with it. I'll give you some examples. You remember when the Israelites uh, came out of that Egyptian bondage? God raised up Moses. All that, all those miracles in Egypt. They finally are released from their oppression. They finally are released from their bondage, and they make they just they just get started on their way towards this promised land. They hit their first bump in the road, and what is their response? Take us back. They say, we know we were under oppression. We know we were in bondage, but we were familiar with that. We were comfortable there. Take us back. Well, Moses doesn't. They proceed. For 40 years, they proceed. They finally cross the Jordan. Moses passes away. Joshua takes the the reins of leadership. And under Joshua's leadership, they cross the Jordan. They conquer these lands. And they mingled with the people. And then before long, they began to adopt their ways. And that's when Joshua, in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 says, Oh, folks, it's time to choose. You remember what he said? He said, you got to choose. Are you going to serve the Lord your God who brought you out of that bondage, who brought you out of that slavery, who brought you out of that oppression? Are you going to serve the Lord your God or... Are you going to serve the gods and the nations in whose land you're living? Who's, what's it going to be? That's when Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, I think the best example is the example of Samuel. So Joshua passes away. The, the Israelites are led by a series of judges. Samuel, the prophet, is the last of those judges. And Samuel, leading the people, He is approached by the leaders of the nation of Israel. And do you know what they say to him when they go to him? Samuel, we want you to anoint for us a king. Well, Samuel is so disappointed in that request. You don't need a king, he says. The Lord, your God, he is your king. They said, no, we want you to anoint for us a king. Do you remember the reason they gave for wanting a king? Everybody else has one. That is their reason. All these other nations, they have a king. We don't. We want to be like them. You see that? Leadership matters when it comes to those kinds of things. Reminds me of 1910. uh, President William Howard Taft goes to a baseball game in Pittsburgh. It's a long game. He's been there a while. He's a big guy. He's 6'2", weighs about 300 pounds. He's a big guy. He's been there a while. After after the game's been going on a while, William, the president president stands up. You know, when you're the president, you go to an event like that, people keep an eye on you. Well, the game's been going on. He's tired. He decides to stand up. Everybody looks around. The president is standing up. So everybody in the stadium stands up. Well, there are two things you need to know about that. Number one, that's the beginning of the seventh inning stretch. And number two, just because somebody else does it doesn't mean you and I are supposed to. You know, when you come to the New Testament, 
This is how the Apostle Paul addresses that. Romans 12, 2, Paul says, do not conform to the ways of this world, but instead, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed. Mingle, but do not adopt their ways. Do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but instead be transformed. Be different. Don't do, mingle, but do not adopt their ways. Engage, interact, have influence over, but do not adopt the ways of the nations of the world around you. So I've got some good news, maybe bad news. So the, the truth is this morning, I don't know if I have six points or two points. What I know for sure is you hope I have two points. I'm pretty sure about that. But let me get to them, and I'll do these quickly. Let's start first with what does transformation look like? So, you know, when we were raising our children, uh, our son in particular, he had these little toys that they look like little cars or trucks or tractors, but you start turning them a little bit and you twist them a little bit, and all of a sudden they, be, they look like a robot, you know, you know transformers. They made, a, they made a bunch of movies about that, the transformers. It did look like this, and now it looks like that. So this is, this, that's, that's the Jesus experience for us. We were like this, and now we're like that. We've been transformed. So what does transformation look like? Well, I got, I got three thoughts here. Number one, it transforms the way we think. When you come to know Jesus, the way believers in and followers of Jesus think is different. It is transformed. I'll give you an example. I did think like this before I knew Jesus. Now I think like this. I think about God differently. The God who created and redeemed us. I think about God differently than those who do not know God. I think about others differently. Other people. We think about other people differently. Other people are not instruments to be used. They are God's creation to be loved and served. That's how we think about people. I think about myself differently. Because of what God did for me through his son, Jesus Christ, I am, my whole self-esteem and my whole value is raised because of who he is and what he's done for me. When I see that God loved me that much, the way I think about myself is different, and then we start thinking about life differently. Here's the way way Paul said it. Paul said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. The way we think is different. The way we talk is different. I mean that in two ways. Number one, the language we use, the words we use. I did use this language before I know Jesus. Now that I know Jesus, I now talk like this. My words are different. Let me rephrase that. My words are supposed to be different because I know Jesus. But it's not just the language we use. It's not just the words we use. It's the way we use those words. What did Jesus say? Speak the truth in love. 
We've got to be known as people who speak the truth, but we can't speak the truth in such a way that no one can hear us. We have to speak the truth couched and clothed in the love of God so that actually we draw people in instead of push them away. You speak the truth, but you do so in love. The way we talk is different. The words we use and the way we use those words. And then our actions are different. We just behave differently. You know, I saw a whole segment on the news this, just this week. Since the pandemic, there's this, been this trend of employees behaving badly. And there's so much so that there's a big news story and articles and books are starting to be written about how employees are behaving poorly. Well, in the workplace, if you know Jesus, you're the ones who behave right. If you're the employer, you're the ones who treat people right. If you're in school, you're the ones who behave well. In social settings, you're the ones who are acting right. We're the ones who behave well. You know, so that means as a believer and a follower of Jesus, there are things I'm not going to do. There are places I'm not going to go. It's not that hard because I've been transformed. I think differently, I talk differently, and now I act differently. It's, it is the classic before and after kind of picture. Just classic. Before I knew Jesus, this is how I thought. This is how I talked. This is how I lived. Now that I know Jesus, I've been transformed. I am not going to conform to the ways of this world. Instead, I'm, I've been transformed. I am a new creature. Old things have passed away. I've been made new. So that's point one or three. Point next. Uh, there are some underlying challenges to what I'm talking about today. So I'm going to go through three of these. At least the, this is the way I see it. Three underlying challenges to mingling but not adopting. So underlying challenge number one is, and I'll just say it, I'm going to be pretty straightforward with these. Number one, don't check out. That is the tendency of some. You look at the culture, you look at society, you look at the world around you, and you don't like it. And so what do you do? You just check out. You just step away. You just remove yourself from the temptation to adopt. So you even stop mingling. Now, I would say, not, not, not for everybody here, because some of you, you may be the only saved person at the place where you work. But for a lot of us, many of us, maybe most of us, we probably don't know enough lost people. But some of us go so far when it comes to our worry about adopting the ways of the nation, we just check out, just remove ourselves from the temptation, and we don't engage and encounter or have, try to have any influence, influence over, over the world whatsoever. So I'm just, don't check out. Stay engaged. Stay involved. We, we're, we're, we've got to be difference makers out there. Influencers, people of influence. Change the society and changing the world and changing the culture for good. That's why we've been put here. 
So that's, that's underlying challenge number one, just don't check out. Number, underlying challenge number two is just don't get mad. Because when you get mad, you get mean. And when you get mean, you have no influence over anybody. Don't get mad because if you get mad, you get mean. And when you get mean, you and I, we push away the very people we are trying to draw into the kingdom. Now, I'll be honest with you. I look around. There are things I don't like. Things happening around me in this world and in society that are, I think are wrong. Amber, we're coming for you. But give us a minute. All I'm saying is, when you see those things that you don't like, that are not right, I, th- I think righteous indignation is one thing. Righteous indignation is one thing. Jesus possessed that and practiced that. But to get angry to the point of becoming mean, brothers and sisters, that cannot be anywhere close to who and what we are to be. We are to be the gracious, loving, kind, and careful people who are drawing people to Jesus. Now, I've got one more, and I've saved this because I'm, I'm going to try to say this in the sweetest way I can. So, everybody just, this is me saying something to you in a sweet way. Um, just don't get weird. Did I say, was that sweet enough? Ah. Uh, Have you ever heard the phrase, you know, odd for God? Don't be that. You know, being odd is really not going to draw a lot of people to Jesus. Have you heard the the, the little phrase sometimes? It's so heavenly minded of no earthly good. I'm just, so my, my point is, stay fairly normal. We have been called as as people of Jesus to make a difference in this world. And I'm simply saying to you, don't check out, don't get mad, and don't get weird. That's point number six, point number two. I'm not sure which. You go back to the beginning. God's people have always, we do today, and this is not going to go away, the temptation for us to go from, to transition from mingling, interacting, engaging, having influence over to adopting the ways of the nations around us. We draw a line. And when we draw that line, we maintain who we are and how we've been transformed And we refrain from the underlying challenges so that we're men and women and students and boys and girls. That people see us and they hear us and they're around us and all of a sudden they want what we have. And what we have is Jesus Christ. And we want to live our lives in such a way that people are just drawn to Jesus. And then it kind of permeates the church. 
And people are drawn to the church. And the church expands. And the kingdom expands. And our best days are yet to come. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, for the way it speaks to us, the, uh, the truth that is here, the relevancy that it still has for today, the challenges that are, uh, that are here and, and, and confronted with us and explained to us and, and the answers given to us. Father, I pray that we would leave here today determined be the kind of men and women and students and boys and girls that truly do make a difference for the kingdom in all the positive, good, and right ways. We pray that you'd take this time of invitation, help us to respond in ways that honor you and please you. These things we ask in Jesus' name, amen.